Hey, are we doing a video too? Let me put this on here. Yeah, you don't. Have it's up to. to you. Yeah, it's totally up to you. Oh, look at this! Like the microphone and man, yeah. <laughs> All set, all set up. up. Yeah. What's up? You guys know how to make a girl wait. Just saying. I've been here. <laughs> <laughs> I've literally been like on my phone, like waiting for you guys. So prepped. Is my video like super dark? Or is that just my thing? Yeah, it's super dark. But I mean, that's I mean, how I live my life. It's a little dark, but I, I wasn't going to be like Dave and be like, turn the light on. Just whatever you're comfortable with. <laughs> Lights are on, probably. One thing. I, I have this friend, and. And he gave his cable guy $50, and then he got all the movie channels for free. Did you ever hear of anything like that? You mean illegal cable? Um, yeah. Who told you that? What is his name? I want it. Oh, forget it. You're offering me a bribe. What you have just done is illegal. And in this state, if convicted, you could be fined up to $5,000 or spend six months in a correctional facility. Oh, oh, please. No, that was dumb. I'm just, I was just making conversation. Forget it. <laughs> I'm just jerking your chin. <laughs> you are too easy. <laughs> Wake up, little snoozy. Smell the smelling salt. <laughs> I'll juice you up. I see there's like a screensaver behind you when you lean down. Or there's some sort of bubbles. That's Kevin's computer. Yeah, we have back-to-back setup, so I don't have to see him when he's doing his stuff. You don't have to to look at him. Hmm. (laughs) It's good. (laughs) Let me see if I got some video settings here. I want to look at your face. Is that a little bit better? I don't know. I don't know if I'm doing anything. It's lighter. It's fine. You're fine. We'll go with that, guys. Yeah. All right, so this time we will be covering The Cable Guy, and to do that, we have, I guess, The Cable Guy's biggest fan, which is Amanda from Cinema Geek, so thanks for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's uh, it's a pleasure to getting to talk about one of my uh, biggest faves from back in the day, so thanks. All right, nice. But before we talk about one of your biggest faves from back in the day, why don't you tell people about your podcast and where they can find it online? Something that's not from back in the day is the Cinema Geeks. Um, we are a part of the Geek Cast Radio Network. You can find us uh, at geekcastradionetwork.com or on Twitter at Cinema Geeks. And uh, we do a bunch of stuff, man. We are doing a Kevin Smith retrospective right now. We have done a Hayao Miyazaki retrospective. We are also torturing ourselves and our three listeners with our um, video game series right now. So we are covering every movie in chronological order that is from uh, based on a video game property. And it is a trip, bro. We also do um, <laughs> games and you know box office stuff. And we like to... Um, we're pretty competitive, so the the four of us get together and uh, we do some some games and predictions and stuff to see who wins, and it's never me. So <laughs> check us out. Nice. We're on all the platforms, so you can find us anywhere. Nice, yeah. You guys doing a you guys doing a Kevin Smith retrospective could have gotten really dark considering the news. Dave, come just, on. I was oh, gonna, just say I was it. Gonna avoid that. I was gonna avoid. I was gonna say he had uh, a major heart attack. The man almost died. Like yeah. Ugh. So we just rushed out our episode because we just <laughs> we just put one out on Dogma. We just recorded one, and so we're like, hey, uh, let's record a little. Hope you're doing okay. Intro, Kevin Smith. 
uh, keep on keeping on, and we we rushed that out to uh, you know <laughs> get on that. So I wasn't going to go quite so dark. Party. I was going to say that I've listened to the the Marats, uh episode and really dug it and commented on it and had some feedback when that dropped. Uh, but of course, Dave went with the possibility of death, and yes, <laughs> we wish Kevin Smith well and uh, hope that he always, I guess, is attempting to do sequels to his movies. He's always talking yes. about doing sequels, sure. but they Tusk never... Two coming yeah. soon. I'm sure. That's, that's... Yeah, I'm waiting for that one because that's one that I haven't seen yet. So I've heard some things. Yoga hosers, I'm not too thrilled about. So. <laughs> yeah, but anyways, we're going. Fine, <laughs> but get well. All Kevin. right, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, sure. <laughs> All right, so the cable guy, the cable guy for this show or any other show is a really strange movie. The star vehicle for Jim Carrey, of course, fresh off a string of hits like the Ace Ventura movies and Dumb and Dumber. But although it wasn't this gigantic hit with critics or audiences at the time, it's kind of now thought of as pretty underrated. Uh, but probably was never destined for monetary greatness due to the really dark subject material. But that, of course, won't stop us from talking about it through the lens of romance on this show. So we'll start with the meet cute. So although one of the main plot points of this movie is our protagonist, Stephen, played by Matthew Broderick, attempting to win back the affections of his girlfriend, that's not really the love we're going to be focusing on. Instead, it's the downright terrifying stalking of Matthew by, I guess we can call him Chip, played by Jim Carrey. Uh, and their meeting is pretty innocuous. Like, Chip is a weird, off-putting guy, but he's mostly nice as he installs Matthew's cable in his new apartment. But when these two meet, what, as the audience member, are you hoping for? Is the setup working for you? Or is it just too damn awkward to root for these two to spend time together? So we'll start with our guests first. What about you, Amanda? When you first watched this, what was your reaction to this meet cute, as we call it on our show? I I liked it. I thought his reaction to asking for the illegal cable was perfect. I love his humor. Um, and coming from somebody who spends a lot of time in bars working with drunk people for my job, I get a lot of weird interactions. And this guy at first so would be the normal. one guy. This would <laughs> this would be like you know, I'm always looking for new friends, guys. This guy seems like pretty cool to hang out with at first, right? <laughs> but it, it it does take a turn, and he gets, like, crazy <laughs> ex-girlfriend nuts, and, like... But the advice that he gives, um, the willingness to just be this guy's buddy, makes me root for him. Like, there's not one point in this where I, I don't want him to just have friends and, like, be as cool as he wants to be. Like, I, I just... I love the... Um, the interactions, at least from Chip Douglas' side. This is one of my favorite Jim Carrey um, roles. And as creepy and devious and like vindictive as this guy can be, I think that it's it's really not his fault. And this relationship that we start with, they're both kind of awkward. You know what I mean? And so yeah. their awkwardness bouncing off each other works for me, definitely. But it gets to a point where you're like, now I got to look for an out. So it, it, right. in awkward situations, <laughs> it gets to a point where you're like, all right, now where's my out? You're looking, you're looking for the exit strategy. And you see when it gets to that point in this. But at first, I, re I really like it. It's working for me. So what point is that? Is it like the like, uh, I accidentally had you sleep with a prostitute? Is it uh, I got you arrested? <laughs> like, what is where is your line? I'm just so curious because you're so nice to Chip. In, in how you watch this movie in that first scene, kind of like, yeah, he just needs a friend. He seems uh, all right. Man, maybe prison rules basketball. 
is okay. <laughs> that's when you're like, it's, okay. I, it's when you're starting to think, man, I don't know about this dude. Like, how did he know I was here in the first place? And right. second of all, look where he took that. And he just busted their, you know, friendly game to pieces, prison rule style. And uh, I, I think that might be the turn for me. Okay, but, I'm glad it wasn't like prison time. I'm glad it, you wouldn't be willing to let it go that far. I'm <laughs> glad there's a line before that. But what about you, Mike? What? How do you take this this meet cute? What is your reaction to it? I would say when I watched this when I was uh, I'm trying to remember how old I was when this came out. Uh, I think it was yeah, I was 13 when this came out, and I was one of the the early adopters of this movie. Like I watched it like three or four times in theaters, like forced my parents, like when they wanted to go see something else and take like my brother and sister to the movies, I would insist like, is the cable guy playing at the same time? I want to see it again. And I was just sort of appalled <laughs> because I was not an early adopter to Jim Carrey. Like I, even as a kid, didn't really find like the first Ace Ventura that funny. Like I found him really obnoxious. So obnoxious cinephile from the beginning. Well, like, I don't know. No, if I'm, I'm not into Ace Ventura, but the cable oh, guy. Yeah. I think, <laughs> I mean, maybe, but I think uh, the issue I had when I was a kid was this guy's obnoxious, but everyone, uh, like his, you know, kind of treats him like, oh, it's somewhat normal. Like, oh yeah, he's mm-hmm. a pet detective. Here, I think what I liked about the cable guy is he's obnoxious, but Matthew Broderick is like, no, this is not how people behave. <laughs> like you have, right. you do have a straight man, and then you have, I guess, a, a really stick in the mud straight man with Jack Black, who is just like, I don't like this guy. I don't want to be friends with him. <laughs> And I think I agree with Amanda because of that, because you have guys who are just writing him off. I kind of give this obnoxious character more of a chance than what you should, because watching it as an adult, I had sort of forgotten how abrasive uh, Chip is immediately where it's like uh, when he's late and he interrupts Matthew Broderick's shower. Finally, like he's just like screaming in his face. Like it, it actually <laughs> takes a few minutes before he starts laying on the like, charm i guess we won't call it charm where he's like trying to befriend befriend him and uh, like watching his adult i think like is he gonna attack him is he gonna beat him up like for saying the wrong thing like he's hyper aggressive Uh, how would you feel about that dude moving your furniture though like all he like turns his whole living room into something different than what he had it i think like i feel like that's I've, I've seen That's this, a line uh, you don't cross. You know, obviously, I, t- I said as a kid, I watched this a number of times in theater. I was one of the, the people really trying to boost that box office <laughs> for you know, those mid <laughs> it on your prices. shoulders. Yeah. Um, but watching as an adult, uh, I really hate where he puts the TV. Like, he puts it where it's like you're <laughs> entering into the True. room and you have to sort of like walk sideways around it. Uh, that I probably would move around, uh, especially in that time period where uh, I don't think you know we had the uh, the home theater setups, uh, or even for the Matthew Broderick character that he'll get later on with the stolen <laughs> equipment. So yeah, uh, I probably would move that, but I would wait till he left the house because yeah, be, I would be sure. afraid that he's going to beat me up. So <laughs> yeah. he might bite my face or something. Right, like right, I don't know what this yeah. guy's planning to I do. Mean, he's already like. Having this erotic experience with the wall, trying to find like the oh lord, found the sweet spot. That <laughs> yeah. Is, like, yeah, what is Ooh. happening right now? Yeah, I think Mike, what you're talking about as far as him being abrasive from the jump, like from the first the first moment you meet him, is something I kind of forgot about this movie because I, 
you know, I like this movie and I hadn't, but I hadn't seen it in years. I probably hadn't seen it since it first came to video. Like that was probably the last time I watched it. And I, I, for some reason, remembered it being like a bit of a slower ramp up, but like, man, from the moment he shows up on screen and it's like, you know, it's the first five minutes of the movie, not much happens before that scene. And I'm just like, I'm watching it now. And I'm like, man, I, I'm putting myself in uh, in Matthew's shoes in this moment, and I'm like, uh, I think I'm going to get a different cable installer. Like, you've got to go. <laughs> like, this you is can, not, say that not to okay. Like, I'm the person yeah, that if, if you get my food wrong, I'm probably still going to eat it because I don't want to say something because I don't want them to think that I'm the jerk and I don't want them to think that I'm blaming them, even though it's not. Yeah, I, I would just, like, eat it and I would just be like, yeah, cool, dude, this looks great. <laughs> so, like, you're friends with Tonight. me. Do you think I'm the type of person who would just tell someone you need to go? Like, bro, uh, this is not working uh, for me. I, well, I don't know. I, I think maybe not in all settings, but I think Dave, uh, I've seen your letterbox history from last year. I think you take your, uh, your TV watching experience pretty fucking seriously. So yeah, I think you would, <laughs> you would tell this guy if he was fucking with your setup, uh, right. to take a hike. So yeah. Start things in the wrong place. We right. are done. He Sorry. does appreciate good equipment though. I mean, talking about those speakers yeah. and it's true. He appreciates yeah. the setup. That was the night he did. That was my, I was like, okay, you know, <laughs> so kind of, it's a good, so I don't care if it fell off of a truck. It's fine. <laughs> Get it in But there. I never got to that point, which I would just be like, no, <laughs> this is not going to work. For me. But you know, I'm horrible and I'll just tell people to leave. Yes. That is uh, I know you. you are horrible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so for the breakup in this movie, it was interesting because I, as I was watching it, kind of thinking, thinking about it with our structure in mind, this is a movie that you would expect something really outlandish for the breakup, for the breakup of this relationship. But actually it's, it's basically just like Matthew is like, you know, getting back together with his girlfriend, things are going well and he finds Chip, you know, clingy and disturbing and inappropriate. It just kind of tells him matter of factly, like, you know, we can't be friends. Like, we're just, we're kind of done here. He does, at this point in the movie, what I would have done at the very beginning. Like, no, we can't be friends. But as this happens, and you do, you know, I think this is, this is why this is a really underrated Jim Carrey performance. Like, you can see that he's really hurt by this. And not in a way that is uh, an over-the-top acting moment, but he just kind of takes it in. And he's really sad about this, because this is a guy who doesn't have very many friends. Good morning, Mary Sunshine. And how are we today? I bored this sweatshirt. Hope you don't mind. Bacon and eggs coming up. Where did Heather go? Oh, I heard her leaving early this morning. You cat. What a night. That was just what I needed. Well, I'll tell you something. You look like a new man. You like a new man. I was getting so used to being rejected. You know, I really liked her. Hey, who's my treat? What do you mean it was your treat? You know, I bought this time, you buy next time. Well, your eggs get cold. By what? What do you mean by what? The women. What, do you mean that Heather is a prostitute? Of course she is. You think a woman like that would hang out with us if we weren't paying? Oh, my God. This can't be happening. Oh, hey, hey, hey. It's okay. She's totally clean. 
I checked her out about a week ago. Make sure she was top quality. And I'm healthy as a horse. Not a drip. Would you like some jouets? You're kidding me, right? She's a friend of yours. You're just messing with my mind, right? <laughs> I wish I had friends like that. Get out of my house. What are you so ashamed of? I know she was a working girl, but she kind of liked you. You might even have been able to get a freebie. Who knows? <laughs> just get out now. I don't ever want to see you again. Robin's never going to forgive me. Well, I'll tell you how you handle that. Don't tell her. You want her back? I'll help you get her I, back. I don't I want can't do help. that. I just want you out of my apartment and get this stuff out of here. I think you need to ask yourself why you're doing this, Stephen. Because I think you're starting to sabotage yourself. Out now. Okay. Everything was going so well. Why are you doing this, Stephen? I made you breakfast and we were eating. Out. And no. Out. Scramby eggs. And no, I'll fix this, Stephen. Now. I can fix it. I can make it cool again. Out. This is just a speed bump, Steven. I'll make it better. So when this happens, whose side are you on in the breakup? Is Chip too odd and weird to feel sorry for? Is Matthew unnecessarily blunt and harsh? And what about you? Would you handle things differently if you got to this point with someone like Chip? How would you handle this? Or or would you handle it the same way? Mike, what about you? I think he is way too harsh. Uh, maybe not in his tone uh, in this breakup with with Chip with this cable guy, but uh, in, in the context of the film, I guess in the uh, the timeline here, the the breakup from the friendship where he gets angry is over the uh, the prostitute that was <laughs> paid for by Chip. Which I thought she liked me. <laughs> speaking just for myself, I think would be like. A, you know, if you can move past the possibility of STD, I would think it's like a really cool, like, bro move from your buddy. He's a little pick me up. Well, like, he even <laughs> said, like, I know she's clean. I yeah, tried her out myself. Mean, you know, if, if you don't care to, I guess, have maybe, uh, you know, intimate details of your friend's, you know, lover from the previous week, I guess, sure. Uh, that's one thing that uh, another podcast I do. Uh, with Chris Maynard on projecting film, uh, the cable guy came up and we had like probably like, I don't even remember what the movie was we were supposed to be talking about, but we had like a 20 minute debate over the ethics of what happens in that scene. And it became very clear that my co-host on that podcast is a big dork like Matthew Broderick because he thought it was appalling. Well, we've he, all, you know, that's Chris. That sounds he, about right. He thought it was like, you never speak to this person again. Whereas I thought, that's pretty fucking cool. This is a guy I want to have around because he's got some money and he's willing to spend it on me. <laughs> on me? Yeah. yeah. Look like a cheap prostitute. He probably had to shuck out some money for her. You know what I mean? That's true. And they had some FaceTime. It wasn't like she just showed up the guy's trailer. Like she came and hung out at their party. A karaoke and, party too. Like and she acted stood there like they, and, yeah. yeah. And, and pretended was, to be having a good time. Yeah, like exactly. That. So they got what they paid for. I believe that Broderick would be upset there because of the type of guy he is. You know, he's not right. the most experienced person. I understand him being upset. So what Chip does is he goes out and gives free cable to his quasi ex. Maybe they're, you know, they're separated now. And she was like, you did the nicest thing for me. And he uses that to his advantage. He, he knowing yeah. that Chip did this for him. And that's when he says, Hey, we need to break up because it looks like I'm going to get back together with her. Oh, thanks for that, by the way. But I never, I don't want to be your friend. It's incredibly cruel. 
I yeah right. I I don't know if I necessarily agree with everything that Chip does from that point forward. It's like kidnapping for one. Uh, oh, well, that's it's big of but you. But <laughs> I certainly think that Matthew Broderick is deserving of the porno password game with the family. I think that is <laughs> that's fair. That's fair punishment <laughs> for that. Yeah. So I'm rooting for How Chip at that moment. Yeah, to answer your question. Okay. All right. In, How about our guests? What do I you think, think about? Early on, earlier on in the medieval time scene, he tries to break it off there in a more subtle, hey, you know, this is this is, you know, cool and casual, but I really just don't have time for this or whatever. But he doesn't get the chance. But then as soon as that medieval times battle happens, I would I would be scared for my life. Like, <laughs> I mean, yeah, Andy that's valid. Like, get on the freaking horse. I don't think he's kidding. Like, that's really telling. That shows that you are not the only one being harassed by this psycho. <laughs> like, band together, get a petition, something, do something about this guy. Clearly, you are not the only one being stalked or half murdered by this guy. Um, <laughs> his Silence of the Lambs um, reference. That's another thing. I love all That's these references. Leave, that I think when somebody puts meat on their face and pretends to be gotta go. Tell my grandma, and I just got smacked for it. Like that didn't work whatsoever. Like, <laughs> You're kind of on your grandma's side on that one. That's... <laughs> At that point, up until the crazy medieval times battle, I'm totally on chip douglas's side but then after that i'm like all right as cool as it probably would have been to be in the medieval times battle uh, look at how scary that is like that dude could have died on that horse you know what i mean that that up the stakes like now you could have died bro not just getting stalked like physical harm could have come to you so it should have been cut off before that he feeds into it too like at the karaoke party like they're acting like friends he gets him a gift as well and I think it's Matthew Broderick is feeding into this when he should have cut it off way earlier. So it's his own damn fault. Honestly. I, think, <laughs> I think you make a really good point with the, you know, maybe he's not entirely checked into the fact, like when Andy Dick says, get on the, the horse, like that chip has touched so many lives with his free cable <laughs> uh, and has this sort of sway it. and power over people where he can call in favors. However, the flip side of that is how do you become like Andy Dick or one of the other karaoke people where you're suddenly just a guest that's invited to these type of shindigs as opposed to being the sole focus of Chip's love. Like there has to be a right. way where you can maneuver to just maybe he loses interest in you, but you still right. just hang out occasionally. That's what I would be trying to get to. I would be trying I noticed to right. that. Yeah. I think it was all old people though. You notice that like, he's not going to like, I don't think he's going to like terrorize old people, but old people are also going to be, some some of them, anyways, are probably looking for some companionship as well. So maybe if he gets the right kind of companionship out of certain people, he doesn't take it there. But he, like, latches on to Matthew Broderick and, like, puts all of his focus into him. And he's so many, like, steps ahead of everybody. It's crazy. <laughs> like, he is setting this dude up from go. Like, he yeah. knows that he's... He knows that he's got him by the balls, like, literally. And he sets that up. He makes it... So he closes everything in around him and he, he traps him in this and is pushing other people that he doesn't like Jack Black's character. He can't manipulate him and he sees through him. So he's pushing him away. So him like trapping him in this, you know, all this vindictive stuff and like just setting him up is 
insane. Like, I, I don't, I don't, I mean, understand how he could be thinking that far ahead. But I guess if you're a manipulator, uh, that's that's the name of your game. Well, he's got a lot of time on fans too. He's like sleeping yeah, in a van watching oh, <laughs> TV. But Dave, I, <laughs> I have a question for you because I, I don't think I consider as a kid. If he's successful at repairing Matthew Broderick and Leslie Mann, and he's trying to, you know, he's trying to mm-hmm. put them back together. Do you think he eases up ever? Because he has to know that his friend will want to spend time. And if they move back in together, like where do you think Chip sees himself if that relationship actually reforms? I don't think I don't think Chip understands what's going to happen if the two of them get back together. Like I think he is trying so hard to get in um, in his good graces that he, he knows like the one big problem in his life is this, you know, this woman who's, who like, you know, said no to his proposal and then they kind of split up for a while. So he really wants to ingratiate himself. And I think the big mistake uh, that Matthew Broderick's character makes in this movie is his, his lack of subtlety and how he's distancing himself. Like even in the very beginning, he just like stops responding to him. Like, it's just like, maybe he'll just go away. And like, man, you got to give him a little something. You got to be like, okay, I'll hang out with you next week. And then you hang out and then you, you know, you start spreading that out a little bit, like spend a little less time with each other. Not just like, oh, we're going to hang out all the time. And now I'm not going to talk to you. I'm just not going to return your calls. So of course this unbalanced person is going to be, is going to have a problem with this, you know? So it's not surprising. And then when he ends the friendship, he again lacks subtlety and just says, hey, we're not friends. Like, that's his way of ending this relationship. Like, dude, you, you know that this guy from the beginning, you know this this guy is not even. Like, you know the guy's got some sort of problem. You don't know what it is. So maybe this isn't the guy to be blunt with. Like, you got to be a little smarter and a little more careful about it. But to answer your question, I don't think... Uh, I don't think that Chip understands what's going to happen. I don't think he understands that he's going to have less time to hang out with his friends when he's with this person. He just wants to make him happy, which is, you know, weirdly kind of nice that like he's not thinking about that. He just wants to make his friend happy, you know, but I think if he knew he might take a different tack in in helping him out. Childlike sensibility where he doesn't really understand. He just is like, oh, this is what my buddy wants. I'll get it for him. And since I right. got it for him, he'll love me. He'll want to hang out with he'll me. He'll thank me yeah. for it. Yeah. yeah. Which he exactly. should. I think he feels yep. like he'll be a part of that too. But yeah. Just like look at him interjecting himself into family functions and, you know, spending time with Robin. I think that he feels like he will be a third part of that relationship. Like they're going to love him so much for getting them back together and doing all the stuff for him that he can just be a part of that with them always. Right. And also I feel like maybe he doesn't have an end game because when we get to the end, he's like, what, you know, what were you thinking? He's like, I'm really just winging it like i don't have a plan so maybe he does it you know it's all about right about him just getting through and trying to do what he can to um and i, I really do feel like he has matthew broderick's character's best intentions at heart like i don't you know even though he's doing all this awful crap to him i think he really does want good things for him but he wants to share in those good things so it's he just does right. it weirdly super weird <laughs> All right, so that kind of brings us to the grand gesture. So it's it's an arguable point if Chip really wants this relationship back in kind of the third act of the film, or if he's just out for revenge after being scorned. You know, a bunch of revenge tactics come up, including getting him arrested, blackmail, getting him fired from his job, you know, kidnapping, as Mike mentioned earlier. So what do you guys think? Are these grand gestures just because Chip is emotionally injured? 
Or is he kind of beyond help and logic at this point in the movie? Is he even trying anymore? Or is he just trying to make things bad for Matthew? Hello? What a shame. We could have been blood brothers. But you're too needy. It's a real turnoff. Ask Robin. Rick told me that you were fired from the cable company. You're not even a real cable guy. Can you hold on a second? I have call waiting. Knock it off. I know it's you. Sorry about that. Where was I? Don't do this. There must be something we can do to work this out. I think that he's beyond help before we get to where the movie starts. Because mm. his his psyche is so broken from the beginning that we even see at the end, um, the very end, like the, the last scene when he's in the helicopter, he does not learn a single thing of the from what just happened or what just transpired he's ready to go right back in it when this guy is like you know you're gonna be all right buddy and he's like oh you're really my buddy like he is ready to just get right back in it his back is probably broken like he might not walk for a little while but he is ready to get right back into full-on friend stalking somebody so i don't think that he can be helped at all through this really all right. I mean, I keep going to, back to porno password as far as uh, <laughs> which who wouldn't, but you know, you know, that, you know that little thing, like, <laughs> <laughs> like okay, he's aware enough <laughs> of who Stephen is and like what makes him uncomfortable, which is mm-hmm. a big, you know, a big enough gesture to get him uh, a big TV surround system at the time that makes Stephen uncomfortable, uh, and he says, you know, you have to take this back. It's too much. Idiot. The prostitute. Too much. <laughs> you know. So playing porno password with Steven where he is paired up with his his mother as his partner. I think that's the point where uh yeah, Chip at least knows better than that. It's not that he's just trying to right. hang on and like coming to like quote unquote like normal game night where they're playing like, you know, Pictionary or something or Scrabble. I don't like he's <laughs> saying, Hey, have you ever heard of porno password? Uh, and so he's really trying to put the screws to Steven. So yeah, I, to answer your question, Dave, I think that he's at that point, he's just in full on, like, this is like the revenge tour for chip. Like he's just right. like, he just wants to see Steven suffer, uh, in some respect because there would be a way to maybe not reclaim the friendship, but it certainly wouldn't have had to go that far. Like if he was adult enough to have the conversation, it was like, Hey man, I got Robin back for you in a way. And you didn't even like, thank me for that. Like, right. you, you know, Steven would in that moment would feel bad if he was called out just that directly. But instead chip does all this <laughs> indirect bullshit, these little pranks that, you right. know, I don't think he's, I don't think at that point he's seeking friendship anymore, but maybe to what you said earlier, he doesn't even know what he wants. He just, he's, he wants this immediate sensation of attention uh-huh. and feeling justified in what he's doing. And obviously it goes a bit too far, you know, just a little <laughs> bit. I want yeah. friends who are willing to beat up Owen Wilson in a bathroom for me um, on a bad date. I want friends like that. I don't know why. Isn't I that don't like everyone? Like that. Yeah. I mean, I feel... who would be willing? I mean, come on. So you know what I love about that who scene? Who would be willing? Um, I love that Leslie Mann, whenever it does cut to her, she's already over this guy. She's like, who the fuck is this? Like, because he's asking her questions 
But then he cuts her off, clearly has no interest in her answers, instead just wants to come on to her and say like how hot she is. And there's there's one shot of just her face where it's like, Jesus, just get me out of this. <laughs> so there's Chip, the hero, <laughs> assaults this man in the bathroom <laughs> in a very strange way with the, the jazz references and everything, but Stop. sure. Stop. <laughs> I can yeah, literally I mean, quote this entire movie, you guys, so don't get me started. <laughs> this is literally the most quotable movie from clips. my childhood. I won't need to add clips. We'll, we'll just have a man. I'm just wondering time. if you do it, it often, right. Amanda. Are you someone's chip where you're just doing this weird like cable guy thing and they're like, <laughs> who is this person? I, I really do think it's it's a part. I, I don't know how people take me, honestly, because I have a lot of weird <laughs> references, too, to movies and stuff. And I think everybody should know them. And I they just kind of blurt out like I just or I'll do like some I'll say something weird, and like a weird voice that I heard in a movie or something. And people are they're just like, OK, <laughs> and I think this is why, because he's always like his Waterworld reference pops out. Kevin Costner, Waterworld. Like. <laughs> I think that's yeah. why I'm a weirdo. I love how he like, notates his, his references, though, just in yeah. case you didn't catch it. We're going to tell I you. I feel like I need to do that, too, so people understand what I'm talking about. And people are just looking at me weird, like, what's wrong with her? And I'm like, well, what did I just say that you know, was so weird? I'm really glad you have someone to look up to. That's good. That this He's is your... my role. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, you know, I, I agree with both of you as far as, like, what he's doing here. I don't... Th- I think at the point where where he gets his feelings really, really hurt. Like, that's it. That is his line. Like, he can't he can't tolerate this distress. Like, he can't tolerate someone saying directly to him, I don't want to be your friend. Because that's really all he wants, is to have some kind of human connection. Like, to have that flashback where, like, he didn't even really have a connection with his own mother. He was raised by the television. You have all that background. So you know, like, he's not going to be able to handle this. So I think at that point, he has kind of shut off the friendship. And he is just like, no, I'm going to make you pay for what you did to me. You hurt me and I'm going to hurt you more. And that's kind of, you know, and it makes me wonder how many people he has done this to. Like, and it's amazing. He hasn't been arrested for murder. If like all the things that he put this guy through, like this is dangerous stuff. This is not just like, Oh, here's a little, you know, here's a little gag. We're going to, we're going to mess with you a little bit. Like there's, some, I mean, it's like a horse head in the guy's bed. Right. Yeah. It's a little rough. His call waiting um, was amusing. They just though. haven't found the body yet. <laughs> yes, that's right. Maybe the bodies are buried somewhere, so we we haven't found them yet. Maybe you know, Cable Guy too. That's what we're going to find out. It'll be... But you you do see he's got some kind of realization of his situation uh, towards the end. He does realize, you know, I learned the facts of life from the facts of life. You know, I'm the bastard child of Claire Huxtable. Like he realizes why he's messed up somebody's gotta kill the babysitter he realizes why he's messed up but he can't do anything about it because no matter how many situations he's seen it hasn't given him the emotional fortitude to get past rejection or not getting what he wants and you know that his his biggest passion starting from when he's younger or not passion biggest biggest desire is wanting a brother he saw that in matthew broderick but how many like you said how many other you know, potential brothers, has he done this to? And why hasn't he come to this realization yet? Is that because maybe he's finally, his plots have been foiled or, or, right. or what? But he does come to some kind of realization that, hey, I am not right, guys. Sorry. <laughs> not doing yeah, so a, good. He's at least aware of that. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, so I love this like intense defense of Chip that we've gotten on the show. That's <laughs> not what I was expecting. So that's great. Um, so we always uh, try to end our show with talking about what lessons we can take uh, from these movies. And the thing I came up with is 
you know, we talked a little bit about this in the beginning, but what do you do in situations where someone wants to be your friend and you could tell from the beginning something just seems off? Like, this is not the right person for me to be friends with. They're a little imbalanced. I don't feel comfortable. Is it best to just be polite and see where it goes? Or should you be blunt from the beginning instead of waiting like our main character did here, like until he's like a part of your life? He's kind of interwoven in everything you're doing and then be blunt. Should you be blunt from the beginning or should you err on the side of politeness? I mean, you don't, you don't get the prostitute if you're blunt from the beginning. So maybe you wait it <laughs> out. <laughs> See what happens. Get a nice TV. Uh, You've not learned anything from this movie. <laughs> um, how I would handle it uh, probably is none of the above. I think I would try to, you know, I'm going to take a page from our guest and maybe try to outweird them. Maybe I try to fight fire with fire and ha- bring my Make own them really weird obsessions. Yeah. Completely. And then they're just like, oh, I'm weird, but not in that way. So, right. yeah, we'll just part at the top. So, yeah, th- I think that's how right. I handle it. That way they don't feel bad. I don't feel bad. We're both weird. We're just not weird together. How about that? We're not the same weirds. Yeah. I like it. I know from my experiences. Being a girl, we deal with a lot of creeps coming at us, like, constantly, whether it's out in public, whether it's on social media, um, and you have to, like, you're constantly just deflecting dicks everywhere, like, constantly, and (laughs) really. That imagery is fantastic. (laughs) Did you see the hand? I was, like, blading. (laughs) Uh, Very Matrix-like reflexes. It's good. (laughs) I mean, Yeah. When I was younger, I was always the friend in the group that they went, they sicked on the friend that we didn't want in the group anymore. Amanda, go tell them that we don't want to be friends with them anymore. Back then, I was like, we don't want you to be friends with us anymore. You can't sit with us. We wear pink on Wednesdays. Whatever. (laughs) Um, So you can't, even though we're still in the Girl Scout troop together, you know, we'll see you there, but don't come sit with us. But now as an adult... Dealing with the situation, I feel like I'm more polite, and I know that my my style is kind of just try to brush them off, ignore them. I always try to give people like the benefit of the doubt at first. Maybe our first interactions were a little weird, but I'm awkward, so maybe you know I was the awkward one, whatever. But I do know like just dealing with a couple guys that, um, and I know a couple of them do have some kind of social awkwardness messaging me constantly like hey you got time to talk like you know commenting on my stuff when you know on, on facebook like i i let you i re- accepted your request now i'm i'm regretting that because <laughs> you're you're just too much like if you were just popping in every now and then to say hey what's up okay i'm cool with that but when you're trying to message me like every day I, i've had people who like text me and call me and I just don't pick up at some point. I'm just going to cut you off like like Matthew Roderick and just say, no, we're done. And surprisingly enough, most of them will keep at it. It's like they don't get the hint. And I don't think Chip gets the hint here whatsoever either. So I don't know. I want to say that I could be brave and say, look, I just don't have any room for more friends. I've used that line. And it kind of does work. But I don't want to have to get to that. Like, I want to be nice and just kind of, like you said, just gradually just not talk to them as much. But sometimes people are too aggressive with it. They don't get the hint. They're not picking up these social cues. They won't leave you alone. Or, you know, when I'm trying to get out of somewhere, people are talking to me. I'm like, all right, well, you know, about that weather, see you later. It's You know, I, I like, try to go. And sometimes it works. But when you're in a situation 
where they know where you live. They can contact you on social media. They have your phone number. Like, it's really hard nowadays to get rid of people. Do you guys remember back in the day? I don't know if you're aware of this. this, There was a phone number when guys would ask you for your phone number. And if you didn't want to give it to them, there was a number. It was the rejection hotline. You could give this out. And I worked Dave, in You seem clubs. to know this too well. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard. I've heard of this. <laughs> Working in nightclubs, like back in the day, you know, guys would be like, oh, I want your number. And you're not going to give your number out to every single person that asks you. And instead of dealing with the social awkwardness of being like, uh, no, I don't want to give you my number, jerk off, because you got to see them the rest of the night. And they're going to be like Googling at you or, I, you know, staring you down the entire night. You don't want to deal with that social pressure. I don't want to deal with that social pressure. You mean mugging me all night or going over there talking to your friends about me. I don't want to deal with that, dude, because now you're the rude one and you're making me into be the rude one. I don't like it. So I, w- I wish I was brave enough to just say that. But it's nowadays, especially, it's hard to brush people off. Like, it super yeah. is. I mean, you can and just say, definitely... hey, listen to my podcast, and that shuts people up. They're like, oh, <laughs> They're not, like, no, not another one. I'm Jesus. Good. No, man. I, even, I get asked, like, oh, you got a boyfriend and i'll be like i got two every single time they're like can i be number three every uh, single geez. time like, even when i try I... to be funny about it it doesn't it doesn't work like just some people don't pick up on that like i don't like you leave me alone <laughs> like the other day i was walking out of the grocery store and there's the little girls with the girl scout cookies sitting there and they're eyeballing me because i didn't buy any of the cookies and I told Kevin, I was like, I wanted a T-shirt that I could pull out that says, I already have nine boxes on my counter. You know what I mean? Like, I already bought from you guys. You're but they're slow. mean. Yeah. It's, I wish I had a T-shirt for every, like, just like Superman bust out. Like, I don't want to be your every friend. Every interaction. Don't just, talk to I don't want to talk to you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that's I don't think that's gonna work with uh, guys if you, you start to <laughs> flash no. anything their way like a shirt. Yeah, that's probably not the best call. Maybe the yeah. Girl Scouts they would be like, oh okay, we get it, sure, all right. Yeah, I like but that no. somehow that ended up with Girl Scouts bother you too. I like yeah, that. No, no, we got you. Here we are. How do you mean they're everywhere? Just like little bell ringers. Like I've every stop I've already given to. Three times already today. I can't. I'm not gonna give you any more money. I'm sorry. I don't think I it's have hard. any Girl Scout cookies this year. You kind of make me I want s- some. I need to go find some cookies. Do you here. need some? Because I still have some in my freezer from last year that mm. we didn't eat. <laughs> Nine boxes Kevin brought mm. home. I'm like, what are we doing with these cookies? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, not sure where to go from there, but um, for me, and definitely keeping in mind, it's definitely different for a guy than it is that it is for a woman to be blunt. Um, but I, I definitely am one of those people that like, if I don't like you, unless you're completely socially unaware, you'll know. I'm, I'm pretty, <laughs> pretty easy to read. There's some people that Mike and I both know who, um, who I've been pretty blunt with and they still don't get it, but you know, that's okay. You just keep them at a distance. I think the big mistake here though, is that from the very beginning in their, in their interaction, he owes, chip because he's asked him for something illegal and this is why you know if someone if someone is acting like that from the beginning that's not the guy you ask for illegal cable like that's not you don't <laughs> want to be in that guy's debt you don't want to be the guy looking for the sweet spot in your wall you don't want to owe that guy anything ever so you gotta you gotta play your cards right you gotta know who you're dealing with but in general i think the people who i like they know i like them and the people that i don't it's pretty clear too. So I think that bluntness definitely does help. 
but it is very different for me as a guy in social situations than it is for you because like I don't there's a lot of things I don't have to worry about. Like I don't have to worry about people coming after me. I don't have to worry about people being like really aggressive in that way. So I you don't can have to be worry about wearing V-necks. I mean, it's a thing. As far as you know, yes, <laughs> worry about that. But yeah, it's a <laughs> it's a very different situation. But I think in general, I think I tend to err on the side of being blunt and just being very honest about how I feel about people. Is it different when you're? So I know it's different for me when there's a relationship that builds up versus people who just randomly come at you like it's hard you're like you're thrown like I'm already in a situation now where I am not comfortable so I might just be super nice right now or I mean (laughs) look I'm sorry for reaching out to you and texting you on the show you could have told me no it's fine it's okay (laughs) (laughs) I'm never getting asked back (laughs) no but you're right in the sense that it's very different when it's someone you've just met and someone that you've built up like even an acquaintance with because then it gets a lot more awkward to be blunt like if you have these you know if you've known someone for a couple weeks or a couple months and then you try to tell them like you know we shouldn't be friends. This isn't working for me. I don't really like you. That's a lot tougher. But if you, you know, if you cut them off at the beginning, then I think it's a little bit easier. How would you feel if this guy left you all these messages on your your voicemail? Like that, that should be a telltale sign. I right? would feel this like calling the goddamn police is what I would feel like. Like, this is harassment. This can't, you leaving 13 messages on my phone. I mean, I don't, no. I don't have a voicemail. I, I make sure mine doesn't work. Cause I don't want, I don't want anyone to leave me a voicemail. Just text me <laughs> text. I, I want to know what I'm dealing with. And I don't yeah. want you to know that, I, that I'm seeing it just yet. I want the time to, to manage yeah. the situation. Yeah. No phone calls yeah. either. Just Skype calls. And then we record them and release them as a podcast. That's how I work things out. <laughs> editing, editing. Yeah. This is exactly how I leave voicemails on my cousin slash best friend's voicemail. I hate leaving voicemails. I don't like doing it. I'd rather you just see the missed call and call me back if you want. I'm cool with that. But if I have to leave a voicemail, it's going to be on her uh, answering machine. And she does this to me, too. Every single, exactly one of these voicemails that he leaves, this is how we leave messages to each other. <laughs> and sometimes if we know the other person's not going to call back, we'll leave a couple voicemails of this nature. <laughs> This is how much little, this movie is in my life. Aggressive, yes. You know. <laughs> hey, I was just blowing, drying my hair. Thought you might have called. Call me back. Let's talk about it. All right. So before we end this episode, one more time, why don't you uh, tell people where they can follow you or follow your podcast online? Seems weird to ask. Now, please follow me after all this discussion of stalking and (laughs) inappropriate interactions. But please invite more of this bullshit into your life. Like, don't follow me back. There's a reason. (laughs) Take it from the words of Cardi B. If I see you and I don't speak, it means I don't fucks with you. Okay. (laughs) You can find. (laughs) (laughs) Cardi B got my girl in here. <laughs> I am a part of the Cinema Geeks. We are a movie review podcast, a part of the uh, Geek Cast Radio Network. Ton of shows there um, besides ours. So hit us up on the dot com. We are also on Twitter, and you can tweet at me at Hard Candy Mandy. Eyes, no wise, because I'm weird and awkward. <laughs> there was like a weird pause. Like, what did I say? <laughs> Nothing. I was waiting because that's, that's where. Me. No, 
<laughs> that's where the show's going to end, so I'm leaving a yeah, little bit of yeah. space there. So that's just the music is playing, oh. and, and right. now on the podcast, Dave is talking to himself, presumably, that's right. in the edit, yep. saying, and you can follow yep. us at blah, blah, blah. blah, blah. Yeah. <laughs> so you joke that we're not going to invite you back, but you just got yourself invited back yeah, with that. Yeah, did. Oh, perfect. Thank you. Yeah. I really don't want to play this game. I come on, Steven! Woman. Woman. Uh, man? No. (laughs) Peanut. (laughs) Peanut. Thanks for noticing.